Good evening, Patriots. And it's Sunday, August 27th in the year 2023. I guess if you're on the East Coast, you're headed into Monday already. It's been a pretty chill weekend, I guess. I kind of say that. We had some amazing prayers yesterday. If you weren't part of that, you should check it out. We had an hour-long prayer for Lahaina. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight and kind of about the state of things as the society is unraveling. And I, I... can't address that enough. These are going to be some crazy times ahead. And um, we're going to have to really be in prayer for a lot of people and be ready to assist because things are falling apart pretty fast and it's, it's going to get rough. And there's no question about that. So with that, um, my pillow, I think that's probably the best thing to think about right now because it's nice to sleep and to be chill and to enjoy all that uh, a good night's sleep. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back, the my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever, my pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. MyPillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature-regulating thread. MyPillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of MyPillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit mypillow.com. Mypillow.com forward slash bards. Promo code bards. You can't beat it. It's where you need to be. Check it out. Great product, great pillow. Enjoy them, love them. They're going to go on the road trip with me to Kentucky, which, speaking of, don't forget, we've got Bards Fest tickets on sale now. Um, recommended donation is $100 a person, but no one's denied. So 
pay pay what you can and what you're called to do. But anyway, that's they're going well, and we're making a lot of people are signing up. I'm really happy with that. I think it's going to be a fantastic event. Uh, we've got some great things going on. Our speaker list is lining up, and we'll have that speaker list, and we'll also have the additions of the schedule, that is, daily schedule here by this week, so you can see that. But it's going to be three full days, and uh, like it was at Yuba City, we're going to be cooking our lunches and dinners and having that together, and we're seeing if we can get a bluegrass band or Christian-type band in one of the nights, so that should be pretty good. So we're looking forward to it. This is going to be a great event. It's going to be camping right there. There's like 200 spots around there, and we've got a cluster of some great people coming together. Resistance Chicks will be camping. I'll be camping. Pete Chambers, Lieutenant Colonel, retired, will be camping. Uh, someone else you haven't met yet, but you will. His name is Corey Terry, Special Forces retired. He is He's uh, 18 Delta, and he's going to be, in, which is a medic, which is a lot more than a medic in Special Forces. But anyway, um, he's going to be teaching some classes, including kids' classes, on um, trauma and medical care and things like that. So it's going to be a, it's going to be pretty awesome. We're trying to get uh, Cam Hamilton, if we can. He heard the other night. We'll see if he can make it. He might be able to. He already has an engagement, but he's seeing what he can do. And I believe Sergeant Major Joe Vega uh, which was 7th Group Special Forces and Delta Force. I believe he's going to be there. Dr. Frank is going to be there. And we got we have some good people coming in. So buckle up. It's going to be a great event. You want to be there. And then we've got um, our normal fantastic entourage of Bards Nation people that are coming in. I think we're having Jaron Jackson there on Const on uh, Common Law. He's going to be giving, giving some talks. And... I'm, I'm, and there's more. I'll think about it as we go. It's going to be good. So, um, so it is really pretty amazing, and I think it's going to be a great event. Oh, and here I'm going to put it out tonight because this is pretty cool, and this was part of the weekend. So thanks to one of our I can't remember who said it. I, one of our followers, and and I'm sorry I can't remember who it was, but. Thank you, because it was such an inspired comment that totally lit up a conversation with myself and Father God. We have broken pots the last two Bards Fests, and we've reenacted the Gideon moment of shofars and pots. We're doing something different this time. We're still going to do the shofars because that's pretty cool, but we're doing something different. This time, we're going to be planting a tree, but not just that. We're going to encourage everybody across the nation and across the world that on the time and place that we set that everyone should be planting a tree, bringing together friends to pray on it and bless it. What Father put on me is we were praying on the sacred tree in Lahaina and what, and there was a comment made in chat and in the comment was, we, you should plant a tree for Lahaina. And the minute that was said, God says, I need you to plant a tree in every county and make and pray on it to be a sacred tree of heaven. So we're going to do that. And so everybody is going to, we're going to encourage people to plant trees. And there's only so many we can plant where we're going. So we've got to figure out how that's going to work. But we want everybody across the nation and across the world to plant a tree. And we'll, we'll talk more about that as we get closer, but it's definitely going to happen. And um, we're going to all plant trees and bless them and pray on them and give them to heaven. It's going to be pretty awesome, pretty, pretty good stuff. So, you know, it's an interesting weekend. We, we have fires up here now, which is like no surprise because they're trying to burn everybody out. So I kind of want to map out a few things for you to begin with tonight because I think it's important to kind of look at what I, how I'm seeing the world. And I, everything I'm going to say here, do your research, take it or leave it. This is definitely not alarmist talk, but it is some very real talk about the way things I believe are going to begin to unfold. Don't have the exact scenario, a lot of pointers and indicators that this is where we're going. And I would encourage you to pay a lot of attention to it because it's it's going to be quite an event um, in, in the coming months. The, the biggest problem we have right now, we have many, many people that are still very much asleep. At the same time, we have people that are beginning to awaken, but they're awakening with the pain of finances. Now, I'm going to play a piece here. I am giving you a warning for for language this is a single mother 
She is, and she'll even say at the end that she's venting. But you, I want you to hear this in its fullness. Uh, she drops a few F-bombs. That's what I'm going to tell you up front. That's about it. But I want you to hear the trials that she's in as a single mother. And this is just, this is hurtful. When we start to hear this as, an, as anybody, but in particular Americans speaking this, this is the reality of what's hitting a large spectrum of middle class. And it may relate to you as well, but I, I will tell you, this is the reality that's starting to bite and it's going to get dicey. And it's as I've said, unfortunately, we are arriving at a point where I truly believe that the words famine and hunger and, and even poverty, homelessness, are going to become regular words in the American lexicon. And that's tragic. But anyway, take a listen to this. Again, language warning. Um, but it's, I can't cut it out. It's, I need you to hear the whole thing. When are things going to go back to where you can work and support your family without fucking stressing out? Seriously, my bills alone are $3,000 a month. I'm a single mom who receives fucking like $300 a month in child support for two kids. I can't do this anymore. I work every single day. I get maybe a day off. Sometimes if I'm lucky, I'll get two fucking days off. I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of this. And I fucking forgot to pay my daughter's braces and now I have to bring her in for them to remove them because I can't afford to pay it all off at once I am so sick of this country I'm so sick of how expensive everything fucking is something needs to happen where I live rent is insane a two bedroom is fucking two grand I can't go to the grocery store and get a week's worth of fucking groceries without spending three hundred four hundred dollars Gas alone, almost $4 a gallon. I have to drive all over my town for my job because I clean houses. And I'm so sick of it. Something needs to be done. Something. These prices are insane. It's ridiculous. Nobody can fucking survive like this, especially if you're alone, you're single. You can't. Like, do I have to get a fucking roommate and rent out my son's room and move him in my room? Like, this country, it sucks. It sucks. I'm sick of it. And I'm tired. God, and I'm pissed. It's fucking venting. That's real. And the sentiment of America has shifted to this way. People have just put their nose to the grindstone. They've tried to power through. They've just tried to get by. And a lot of these people have just, they haven't had a choice. And we've been, we've been very aggressive on the anti-vax position. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that have had no choice but to have to comply. I don't know whether she went to vax or not. This makes no difference. And unfortunately, they're going to keep squeezing. And we're heading now into a new level of absolute stupid. And it's we as a community, and I, I'm really meaning this. I've been talking about this for some time. I even had a conversation. I had a number of conversations about this today. It's starting to squeeze and hit home with people, okay? I went to my parents' church today, and actually it's a pretty awesome service. They had it out at a, at the, a local winery. There's a winery here in um, Douglas County that's owned by a Christian family, and they give heavily to causes locally. They were very successful on the East Coast, and they came out here and built a beautiful winery. Um, they give a lot to my parents' church, and they opened up the winery for service today. And it was, it was awesome, even though the smoke was completely in the valley because magically uh, over, so it would be last night and the night before, just magically, apparently when the wind gets dry and blows in the world anymore, it magically starts fires after they chemtrail the hell out of the skies for two days. And then we get fires that just magically erupt following a strange and bizarre electrical storm that came into our state that had 1,050 lightning strikes. And, that, you know, this is, this is the world we now live in. 
where they're normalizing fire. And so as, as we're sitting here in the, in the sermon today, the reason I bring it up is it's, things are starting to be noticed. And I'm going to come back to that service because it's right in line. It's a very powerful statement to what we talked about last week and how Jeff, my parents' pastor, I, I, I don't pay attention to what he does. I don't talk to him. I mean, it's like I, when I go into church to see them once in a while. But it just I, his message was exactly what we talked about all last week. And we'll talk about that in a minute, which is telling you a lot about where God's taking us. But the, the reality in talking to some folks there of this of the economics of where we're going is starting to bite. And the big thing about this is as we have to be in a place as Christians, followers of Jesus would be more appropriate, that we have to be prepared now to start stepping into the gap when this these sorts of things start to get real. This is a single mom that we heard from here that's still floating, is still able to keep her head just barely above water. But what she's describing there, I mean, imagine being a daughter, her t- having to take her daughter in and saying, your braces, which your teeth aren't even fully moved yet, and worse, they, they've begun to move and they haven't finished, they have to remove the braces. Now, I, I'm trying to process this as an orthodontist. I mean, what would you do? I mean, you see where we are right now in this culture? It's like everything is money. And so she's committed. She's trying to, to the way she's describing it, and I'm, I'm kind of extrapolating in that one instance, she missed a payment, so they basically said, you have to pay off the whole thing now. You can't have payments anymore. I mean, who does that? And take the braces off? I mean, the, the problem I have with all this is it's, it's, it's a statement of our culture right now. This is a mom that's trying to get by. And she's working hard seven days a week most of the time. And her bills are 3000 a month. She's trying to, and I believe, believe me, like when I lived in Philadelphia, I had, I rented a condo in, in Fishtown. And my rent was 2100 a month that condo, 21 or 2200 a month. It was insane. And now those rents are even higher. And this is what has happened. I mean, during, during the COVID con, people had their rents deferred. And if you remember, I talked about this six months ago even. And I was saying that we have the consumer price index, which is a joke, but the real consumer inflation is up about 35% when we do basics in the house, but we were, and I made many comments how we haven't seen the impact of rents yet because rents were not, some people were able to defer rents because of COVID-con and worse, the landlords, because they were not getting their normal flow, did rent adjustments at the end of leases. So rents have gone up astronomically across the United States. And that's compounded by the simple fact that we've got BlackRock, Blackstone buying up properties, Vanguard buying up properties, and then running these rents up. This is all part of their plan. And it's pushing America to a point of absolute breaking. And we're going to go through, in my opinion, a pretty rough period here coming up. So let me walk you through, I've spent a lot of time kind of putting pieces together. I've spent a lot of time getting intel from folks that I know, a lot of time looking at the model of things, and it's mapping out to be something pretty wild ahead. And wild isn't always good. I think in the end, I think we're headed towards a, a, a more optimistic point, but it's going to remain, it's going to be up to us to remain vigilant, and equally, it's going to be very challenging for America as we go through it. And the difference between succeeding or failing is going to be whether we take advantage of an opportunity as followers of Jesus to literally love our neighbors. And I, I really have to stress that. You know, I've talked a lot about, you know, my cattle and things like that, and we're, I'm doing some slaughtering of cattle. I've sold some beef locally, but I'm keeping back a pretty good reserve right now, not because I'm trying to hoard beef, 
it's because I want to make sure I have some on hand because I know the, the areas where I live and I know the families that could fall short and I want to make sure they've got food. And we all need to be thinking that way. We all, if you have the ability to, to set aside excess, we all need to be thinking about how we can have stuff on hand to help others. And that's going to be a critical part. That's what real prepping is to me. So let's kind of walk through with it, what's happening here going forward a little bit. So if, if you haven't been paying attention, they're, they're pushing pretty hard now. Hospitals are starting to tell their nurses, nursing staff, that next week they're going to start mandating masks, which somewhere around the 1st of September. They're starting to pull staff, and doctors are having, depending on what hospital, some doctors have more latitude than others. They're starting to pull staff even from ER units to start staffing COVID wings, and they're not going to need them necessarily. But Biden just telegraphed over the weekend that he was going to, this time, all Americans would have to accept the vaccination. There would be no choice. Everyone would have to have it. So there's about three elements to that that I think everybody needs to be aware of, okay? The way that that can happen, one, there has to be something so massively extreme happen that it scares the bejeebies out of everybody and the authority is then transferred from the government into an agency like the WHO or CDC backed up by the military. It's the first thing. The way to mandating vaccines in this country is through the money and through the food. And that doesn't mean putting them in the food, though that's possible. It means you're going to have to, you would mandate something like a COVID pass, contact tracing COVID pass, for you to be able to enter a store or be able to access your money in a bank. That's a precursor to the CBDC, okay? We, we had Kamala Harris just go to uh, Vietnam, and she came back, and there's some sort of health issue that they've stopped her flight on. Now, here's, here's what I think that you can be prepared for. We know that, that Joe Biden isn't Joe Biden, we're pretty sure that Kamala Harris is not Kamala Harris. And the, they're stuck. The Democrat Party is stuck with those two right now in kind of this moment of, of, of political roulette, if you will. And they need to get those two out of play. And they need to solve their problem of the liability that both Joe offers and Camilla offers. So this is where I'm, I'm giving you my theory, remember. I don't, and some of this, most of this is correlated with other people sharing with me or saying similar things. Okay, but hear, you, hear me out. Joe and Camilla are the albatross of the Democrat Party and the deep state for that matter. Too, there's too much liability in them. The Hunter laptop has been exposing too much. They need to brush that under the rug if they can't get rid of Joe easily. But they could do this. Have you been listening to Todd Callender? What he's been predicting is Malmberg, which is very much like Ebola. And I believe that most of what we are witnessing with these fires is a precursor to a climate emergency lockdown. And I think you're going to see the two coalesce. And my, I'm... I'm just going to tell you what I am anticipating, and we'll, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm going to tell you I'm anticipating that Camilla is going to come down with, with Malberg, and we're going to see something horrific, like her bleeding out of her nose and bleeding out of her eyes, and then you're going to see that same thing happen to Biden. And the reason I say this is it solves the problem of their liability, but it also sends a shockwave of fear through the, a big chunk of America. And then we go into both a climate and a COVID lockdown, hard. And they start pushing for mandatory injections. And as we go into this, as we head into this, then, then they start mandating COVID contact tracing, COVID passes. Remember, all your phones... Whenever, no matter what phone you have, they've already been preloaded with contact tracing apps. So remember that. And if you are still using, I mean, I'm still using a phone, but I'm about ready to ditch it, just telling you. Because I'm getting ready to shift 
to other forms of communication, looking at buying a, a, a secure phone and getting rid of this Apple, even though I just bought it recently, and probably shifting to other forms of communication. It's important to start thinking that way. I'm not t- uh, you might go to a flip phone, start thinking and making checking what's on your phone. If you have a new iPhone, just be very aware. They've already preloaded this, even with the new Google phones. They've preloaded contact tracing apps in there, and they're in, this, they're in their software updates. So all of this, is, in my opinion, is going to be triggered and sent forward. And I think what you can expect, and we're going to, in my opinion, and I prayed on it a lot. I've got nothing back from God to say otherwise. I think we're going to be like the first Bards Fest, where we're literally going to slip right through this mask insanity, and then when we get back, it's going to start to get a little dicey. Mid-October, I think, is going to get a little crazy, okay? And you're going to start to see more fear-mongering. It's going to be hyped up about, you know, the as more stuff is coming out. Remember, on September 8th, President Trump is going to start presenting evidence, and so the, the conversations about a COVID lockdown somewhere by the 15th of September line up because the last thing they want to hear is the truth about the election fraud. The economy's unwinding right now. We're going to be having um, increasing problems of them propping this Ponzi scheme up. And it's a, literally a race to the bottom right now. So somewhere in here, probably in October, you're going to start to see some, some real rips and fractures that are going to start tearing this country apart pretty fast. And it's going to be like the single mom we just heard about a minute ago. People literally not being able to feed their children. People not being able to afford rent. People having to move into their cars. You're going to see a wave of this coming. And I mean, we're there right now. And you're, the sentiment of the country is going to start getting increasingly, increasingly pissed to the point of civil war. And we're almost there. I'm just telling you that the levels of this are pretty crazy. And then we're going to get into this whole part of, you know, food shortages, economic collapse. They've already deployed the National Guard in, in New York City to protect the migrants. You're going to see more of that. That's a, that's a pre-step to martial law. And you're going to see key sectors and cities where a lot of this is happening. You're going to start seeing National Guard on the ground. They still have some agitators, and they've been bringing in plenty of them over the border, and they're going to start activating them. Violence in a lot of the cities is going to increase. I would highly recommend, no matter what it takes, even if you have to stay with friends in the next 90 days, get the hell out of the cities. And please, please get your children out of public schools. I cannot stress that enough. You have a responsibility as a parent to protect your children, get them out of public schools because the VAX program is going right for them. And the first test of this VAX, it just came out in Epic Times today, no shocker to anybody if you're paying attention, the side effects are already starting to show up and part of it is extreme headaches, which tells you it's causing problems with the, with the circulatory circulation in the brain with blood or it's using it, or this thing is passing the blood-brain barrier. So this is an, a very dangerous injection here. And this is literally where it is intended to be injected, dangerous by them. All of this ultimately is going to lead to a measure of systemic collapse. Whether this happens in October, November, December, or we get into the spring, we are in a window of about six to eight months that the country is about ready to completely lose its collective mind. And the agitation is up. The ruling elite are losing ground and controlling the narrative, but they are using everything they can to scorch earth everything, including scorching a lot more of our land, I'm sure. At a certain point, keeping in mind that all these different narratives that have been popping up from the COVID con to the child sex trafficking to, you know, the Ukraine nonsense, now the, the Lahaina issue, which is no small issue. We still have 2,000 children missing. And these are coming to a head. And so I think what follows then is a pretty significant collapse. Be prepared for this one. We no longer have much left in the strategic reserves of U.S. oil. And my guess is that this bankrupt U.S. corporation with the moves of the BRICS nations is not going to have much money to pay 
it, we're not going to have the money to pay for the, the fuel. You're going to see fuel either hit somewhere upwards of 10, maybe even $20 a gallon. We may even see the U.S. run out of fuel at certain markets to where there's literally no fuel. Now, none of this has told you to panic. I hope you're not panicking. I hope you're just breathing and thinking clearly about the sort of steps you need to take in these sorts of preparations. I can only tell you that I'm about 75% on this one. That's a huge margin when I say 25% that it wouldn't happen. That's a huge margin. But I think that there's enough evidence to suggest that this is the direction we're going. And then where we end up with is a point where the military is going to have to make a decision. And I think that part of that decision is going to be that you're going to see some real good commanders step in and do a quiet cleanup internally. So I think some of that's happening already anyway. And you're going to start to see the, the command structure of the U.S. military reset itself to be pro-republic, not pro-globalist pedophile perverts. And at certain point, there's going to have to be, and it's going to be organic because the situation is going to get so bad and likely that back to that thing of the president being sick and Kamala being sick, I think that those are two ways out that will work either way. I think that there's a void that will step in and I think you'll see a measure of military control. I do believe Trump will be reinstalled, reinstated, and it's not going to be within an election. I think what they're going, to, they're going to openly have to admit somewhere in the next three, four months is that there is a, that the election was completely screwed up, that it was completely fraudulent, but that the only thing legally they can do is to reset back to the president that was in charge at the time and revert and give the authority back to the commander-in-chief, not the president, which is Trump. Trump is the commander-in-chief. Something like this. I'm, you know, I, maybe the workings of this are a little off, but I think this is kind of where it goes. And then we begin a process somewhere in there as this begins to happen, as the chaos begins to happen. And Biden is going to be out of play. Kamala is gone. Then they're going to begin a process of reclaiming security in the United States, which is going to be a combination of military operations and law enforcement operations combined efforts to start sweeping up these bad guys. But trust me, this is going to get rough. You need to have probably 90 days worth of food on hand because there's not going to be, or the focus is going to be saving lives and limiting the destruction of these bad guys that are all over this place. And only when we get through that is it going to be, the focus is going to be ultimately on trying to reset America. It's going to take time though. It's not going to happen right away. It will take four to five years before we start to get back to normal, in my opinion. But the big thing is, in all of this, and why I lay out this whole scenario, because I go back to the single mom here who is literally just hanging by a thread, there's going to be many of these people that don't have the extra money to stock up on food, to have extras, that they literally are just barely able to get groceries for, for just barely a week. And that that alimony check, or I'm sorry, um, child support check that she's getting is going to vanish because in these times, they probably won't get that normal money that they would get. Government subsidies could start to slide. Be prepared for some significant upheaval. EBT cards, which is also known as welfare. I mean, you can start to see the disruptions in that system happening. So all of that said is the country has a choice, and we have a choice with that. And either we step in and we say to ourselves, like, we're going to be what Jesus asked us to be and to love our neighbor and to help one another with great compassion, or we're going to fail. And I don't believe we, we are going to fail. And I also have to say very clearly that we can't because that's part of this next mission here for us before us is to do what we can to start bringing prayer and healing and support to our community and in a time of chaos, if your community is one that isn't awake, it's going to need the voices of leaders. And whether you want it or not, and I'm going to say this very, I, I don't like using the word proud, but I think that's the right way of saying it. I, I think there's a very honorable thing for me to say here that everybody that has been on this channel, this is where we've been directing to go. This is where God has been leading us and prepping us to be in leadership roles. And one of the amazing things about Bard's Nation 
is we are spread out everywhere and we are embedded everywhere. And that is the most powerful thing that we could do is to be ready to step in and love thy neighbor. And that means, and I've said this before, make sure you have extra Bibles on hand. Make sure you have extra food that you can share. It doesn't have to be a lot, but you got to have some. I would definitely have in mind what it would look like to, when you get somebody, I would begin to work with them on how you're going to be dealing with crisis situations, okay? And crisis situations, you have to triage it. And triaging it means begin, you've got to get people focused in prayer. You've got to give them something that they can hang on to. And that's going to be prayer and the relationship in God. And they're not necessarily going to want to hear it, but you've got to just reach out to them and say, okay, listen, let's begin with prayer. And you've got to be soft and you have to be have empathy for them and you've got to give them prayer. Let's begin with prayer. Okay, now let's go to the first thing. What is the most urgent crisis, Right? And if, you, if someone has lost their home and, they, and they're in their car and they don't have any place to stay and you can have them, of course, you vetted safely, those sorts of things. But if you've got an extra space, you know, maybe in front of your house or the driveway or something, I don't know. But I'm saying these are things that we have to start thinking about differently because the disruption could be extremely significant. I anticipate that it will be. I, I, I say this all the time, and, and, and please hear me humbly as I say this. These are some of the same predictions that I was giving at Fort Meade in 2012 of the direction that this country was headed and what the plan was to do to America. And this is one of these times I wish I had not been right. Because unfortunately, the entire pathway here that we've gone forward were things that I could see coming and I think a lot of that is the gift that God gave me and being able to put pieces together and build a map. But this is where we are. And for that reason, I think that what's so powerful is that we are literally in a place that we have to start working with our faith and using it together to build community. The community connection is, is going to be significant. Now let's go to Lahaina and why this is so important. I think there's a number of issues to be prepared for for Lahaina. I am going to say this, and I want to use this example. And there's a number of them, but this is a good one. The one thing you have to understand about the U.S. military is it has mastered the concept of what's called shock and awe, okay? And a good example of this from an internal lens to an, out, to an external is Panama when that happened under Reagan. This was primarily a tier one, tier two, tier three type operation, which means you've got special forces, Delta, Navy SEALs, uh, Navy, uh, you know, air, air support, but also Rangers. All of those components were the primary thrust on the ground. And they had some other, I think they had uh, 101st Airborne in there and they may have had some 82nd in there. Okay. And there was others, but basically I don't remember if 82nd was on the ground or not. But my point is that they had a lot of assets all of these guys were knew essentially that there was going to be an operation. Nobody knew the real plan. But when that plan went off, most of the soldiers you're talking to, talked to, like they didn't get their actual briefing of what they were going to do until they were launched. And then when they were launched, even then they were shocked at how, one, how intense some of the gunfire was when they hit the ground, but how much asset we threw at the target and we basically toppled Noriega in about 24 hours. That's an important point to understand in the way the military works because even no matter where they are, when plans are given and disseminated, it's, not, it's usually not until the last minute. And because of that, there is going to be a response to this that I think will shock most Americans. I equally believe that there may be additional issues that look like Lahaina. So be prepared. Lahaina has got a lot of markings of it being a test run for what they intend to do to some other cities. And we just saw this happen in Louisiana. We've seen it now happen in Lahaina. We saw it happen up in the islands off of Canada. A lot of questions on all of those, but I don't think that we're going to escape this 
without some significant loss of cities, maybe even people. Keep in mind as well that these deep state folks have built their institutions, their genetic labs, their bunkers, their weapons caches. They're all in cities surrounded by people, and they have to be neutralized. So combine what you're seeing with what Russia's doing in Ukraine, combine that with what you saw in Lahaina, and I think you're starting to get a picture of the magnitude of the response that's going to have to happen to neutralize this evil and begin the process of healing and reset. That's going to leave America in a pretty bad place for a while. And I'm not going to tell you outright that that's exactly what's going to happen, but we're coming to a break in the currency, which is the opportunity financially from a, from a global perspective of when you strike. Because other than that, you would disrupt the markets. I think the markets themselves are going to collapse, and that's when things will start to happen. So I say all that for a pretty important kind of wrap-up tonight. All last week, we spoke of the authorities, and we, we're going to speak a lot more about it. This is all based on Romans 8.19, which is you know, all of creation groans in anticipation for the awakening of the sons of God. We have an amazing role here. As we prayed for Lahaina on Saturday, we prayed for the restoration. We prayed for the healing. We prayed for the destruction and the breaking of the chains of the sort of narratives that we put in our own head to tell us that we cannot overcome, that God cannot overcome. We do this all the time. And this is a point now that we have to, in the coming days and weeks, there's going to be a lot of discussion on this that I'm going to bring here because we have to equip ourselves with the tools as God leads us to have these tools when we start to engage people in, in crisis. Prayer is powerful, but we have to be ready to deal with some deliverance. We have to be able to deal with prayer and, and consoling. We have to be able to, to literally disengage the fear and get people focused on the tangible response to what they need to do. And I think it's a process that as we start to work through this, each of us will be, develop, be able to develop and tailor somewhat of a response approach to be ready to go and how to help people through. But, you know, there's a lot of people that still aren't growing food. There's a lot of people still waiting for the grocery store to deliver what they need or expecting the government to be there if things fall apart. Lahaina has shown us how that worked. FEMA is not showing up. FEMA's gone the other way and trying to block things out. And if you have any doubts about what I'm saying about the bankruptcy of the government, Obama said in his talk to on Lahaina, which followed Trump by about six hours, after President Trump came out and spoke to Lahaina, it was, it was Obama, commander and traitor-in-chief himself, was, and he said was, donate to FEMA and donate to the Red Cross. You cannot legally donate to a federal office, and that means that if they're asking for donations, they have no money, which ultimately means that their normal pilfering that they do is, wasn't enough as they live in $1,000 a night hotels in Helena. I mean, those guys are straight-up dirtbag criminals. I, you can take every FEMA person out there and, like, do what you do with skunks when you catch them and you throw them in the river. That's okay with me. So we have a huge responsibility ahead of us. I'm, I'm, I'm not one. I think you know me. For I don't try to, um, I never fear mongering. I do think there's some very legitimate and hard intel to indicate that we're into kind of a final window here. Final window in this operation could be two or three months. It could be 18 months. I don't know. When we look at the level of sentiment in this nation and where people are and the crisis point, I think it's extremely important that we start to address this and you start to come up with those sort of operational contingency plans to start thinking in terms of, well, what happens if? And without keeping a very level head, start planning out and start working forward. As a reminder, and I think it's important to remember this, the critical things in, in the, all of these is we are having to face a number of crises. We're seeing that this attack is going to towns, and literally, if we look at Lahaina, it, where there is a vulnerability there that can leave people very agitated, even asking what they, can they do or feeling helpless. When you're dealing with a single mother like this, she's not only frustrated, but she's feeling helpless. 
Right now, we need to start looking for those opportunities to build people up, to help them where we can, and to raise them up, to make them stronger in the body of Christ. And and the body of Christ will grow as we bring new people in. Not just dealing with the same old regurgitated crowd that's out here going, well, I, I like Jesus and I've liked Jesus my whole life. I'm just looking for a different brand. None of that. We need to be reaching out to them to introduce them to the power of Christ and give them some strength. So this is really on us as followers of Jesus to start doing our principal commission, which is spreading the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of this, as we've talked about Operation Vineyard and we talk, we're getting that, that geared up, we're all headed in that direction. Don't think we're not. This is not a deviation of plan because at the core of this, as we see in Lahaina and as we see everywhere else, the critical and most vulnerable aspect to everything we're going to be doing going forward are going to be the children. And these predators that are out here are not going away quickly. And they will pray, P-R-E-Y, they will pray on the vulnerable and either take the children or there will be people that will be so desperate they'll feel that they have to sell. This is what happened to Russia at the end of Glasnost. Just so you're clear, people became so broken financially that they gave their daughters away for marriage in our country and other countries, but in particular mail order bride programs, thinking they were trying to do something for them and ended up selling their, giving their daughters into slavery. So if you ever wonder where Putin's ire and intolerance comes from with some of the sex trade stuff, it's because he lived through it in his own country. Our country is coming into a very vulnerable place. Prayer is paramount. Ourselves are being equipped for prayer, deliverance, healing, and trusting in Christ to bring the greater works and understanding that our primary commission from God at the end of the day is to rescue, heal, and restore the children. That's a big mission set for us that we have to take very seriously. And as we start to look back on the past three years of where we have come from, beginning with county by county three years ago, and now seeing how all of these pieces start to come together, county by county and now Operation Vineyard, that's all God-led. So if there's new people in Bars Nation, which I know that we've picked up a lot of great people recently, I've seen it from the Mike Adams interview I did on Decentralized, and I want to welcome you all. Um, if you're new, I really want to welcome you to Bars Nation. Um, this is an amazing community. I am humbled to be at the mic of some of the most amazing people I've ever met. And it is a time now that we have to get better and stronger, and we have to be prepared because it's going to be the efforts of groups that are profoundly anchored and confident and solid in sowing seeds and building sovereignty like Bard's Nation that will make the difference as we go ahead. And it will create a stability in a nation that we need in our communities. And it's I don't think it's at all accidental the way God has raised up this fellowship, that we are sprinkled across the entire world, literally, embedded in our communities. And like I said near the beginning of this talk tonight, whether you were ready to be a leader or not, it's not an option anymore because each one of us now has to be equipped and sense, and hence the name of Bard's Fest, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, a word given by God to the resistance chicks for Bard's Fest, which I grabbed onto because the minute she said it, I knew they said it, I knew that it was absolutely correct. I want you to hear this short piece right here as we start to wrap this up tonight. We're gonna lose everything. And people, you know, like I get these comments too. People are like, well, you know, you're so brave for speaking up. No, I'm not. I just understand what's happening. I understand that if I don't, everything else is going away. And you fail to understand that. You think that if you stay quiet, 
You're going to get to keep your, your little life and your little house and nobody's going to bother you and nobody's going to call you names and you're going to continue to go to the grocery store and be able to get food and turn on your light switch and get power and go to your job and get some income. You think that your life is still going to exist if you duck the fodder coming in. Mm-hmm. And what you fail to realize is by you ducking and hiding now, it's only going to get worse and it's going to come to your doorstep. And by that time, there's going to be nothing that you can do about it. So that was Andy Frizzella that I just played there a minute ago. He's on point with what he's saying. We are coming to a point right now where all the pieces are lining up to give us a very significant point of stress and aligning us with a point to be very vulnerable to a black swan event. An event that wouldn't take a lot, that would cause a a series of things to start sliding and falling in a domino effect that would affect the economic, political, social, cultural, and chaos is right around the corner. The difference in failure or difference in success is literally going to fall on those that are solid in their relationship with Christ and can walk with Jesus in this world and bring the confidence, the stability, the, the, the consoling, the empathy, and understand the principles of loving thy neighbor to help people stay focused, help people through difficult times, unite communities, and in the process, raise up the glory of God in the process of helping people come together. That is going to make the difference here in everything we do. So I am, I think, you know, I I can say this honestly. Like I said, it's very, I'm honored to be part of this, but the game is now on. And this is where we've been heading into. And our, we had our trial run with COVID con one. But now this is big leagues. And as we prayed into Lahaina, and I said that, we're stepping into the big leagues because we're now stepping into the full authorities of the creation that's been waiting and groaning for the awakening of the children of God. So back to where I started. I went to church today with my parents at a beautiful winery. Their pastor is Pastor Jeff. And Pastor Jeff spoke today about miracles. And he spoke today about a simple message of miracles, those that are, that speak Christianese and those that are new. And his message was solid because the biggest challenge is that as we have moved through this last few weeks and over this last year, we've been stepping into authorities and it's breaking a lot of the paradigms and tearing down the dead stone walls and awakening the dead pulpit into the power of what Jesus wants in his church. As I sat and listened to this sermon today, I reflected on how incredible we are as a community in our pursuit, which isn't always on point, sometimes we make mistakes, but in our pursuit of the deeper and more profound relationship in Christ. But I'm also listening to something that Jeff said today that I think was very important that those that are stuck in that dead, dead stone wall, marshmallow pew arrangement, and those that are new to Christ and not really knowing where to go, we have to come bring ourselves to a place where we bring them to the middle to help each one realize a better and more true relationship in Christ admit where they were misguided or wrong and help them step into a more powerful walk in the body of Christ. That is ultimately one of the most beautiful walks that we could take and doing so with the authorities given to us by Jesus and accepting the unlimited potential of the glory of God as we step into that power of creation that God has shared with us. Let's pray. Father, we are really very humbled today and equally just as we reflect on where we are as a nation, a challenging moment ahead. And so, Father, tonight we have a prayer for our nation. We haven't prayed for our nation for a long time. We've been praying on topics and issues and 
and healing, but tonight we have a prayer for our nation. And so, Father, as we come to you and we pray for our nation, knowing the burdens and the sins that have been collected over the years, we just pray for a lovingness to settle into the hearts, to realize that primary commission that Jesus gave us, to love thy neighbor. In a time of stress and crisis, we really pray for the selfishness to fall, for the eyes to open and to realize how important it is, even in small ways, to help one another. Father, you have blessed this entire group that we call Bard's Nation in a way that is really beyond words. You've brought together the people that have been cast out, lost a relationship in a church, didn't have a church, many times didn't have a relationship with Jesus, gave up on it years ago. And you've brought us together in a way that we can reinvigorate that, rediscover that, and re-energize that in our lives to such a degree that we literally are walking with Jesus in levels that many don't know, and even worse than many of our churches refuse to teach. Father, we humbly place ourselves here tonight in, in great thanks and in just praise for all that you have done to bring us to this point, to open our eyes, to teach us again as through process the respect for one another even when we have difference, the ability to build bridges even when it seems impossible, our ability to hang on to faith and to build a community even when the whole world seemed like it was crushing upon us. Tonight, I think it's important as well that we reflect on where things were at the beginning of COVID-Con. The pain that was there when Trump lost 2020. The shock that happened on January 6th. The suffering of emotions and hurtness in our hearts that we went through as we were, families were divided and hatred was, was cast over bad decisions and following the fear of COVID-Con and worse, the injection. And through this process, Father, you have walked us through a place where we have carried the burdens of many. You've walked us through the fire. We have felt that pain of going to a place of breaking and being hurt, having literal stones thrown at us at times. And yet, what you brought us to is a greater understanding of a loving and forgiving heart the power of forgiveness, the power of prayer, and the power of the mightiness of the love of kingdom. So, Father, as we sit here tonight on the cusp of something of a very profound period in time that's about ready to come, we can see it, we don't know exactly when, and it isn't ours to, to forecast unless you show it yourself. is isn't us to, to know exactly unless you show it. We can anticipate, but we don't know. We are preparing our hearts to step into something even of greater challenge, to be leaders in our community, to be leaders of those like Christ, to be able to walk with great empathy for one another, to be able to pray into the miracles of healing and restoration, but equally to be firm in our place of faith, to be bold and truthful in our walk in faith and not to shy back not to cut corners, but to be truthful above all. So, Father, in all of that said, that's the blessing that I pray tonight for everyone and for whoever will join. A blessing that will give us that wisdom, that discernment, that Christ-like nature as we are reaching into Romans 8, 19, where all of creation is groaning, awaiting for the awakening of the sons of God. Well, Father, this is what we're reaching for, is to step into that awakening. And with your blessing, as we sit here before you tonight, before the throne, with your blessing, we ask for that anointment, we ask for that release of the baggages that we may have, and we ask for that guidance and wisdom that can allow us now to step into that great place where we share in that bond with you, the creation and powers of creation, 
to step into this next phase to truly be the leaders, the representatives of kingdom on the ground in each of our communities to raise up and strengthen the body of Christ. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have an amazing mission ahead of us. And I know that we're going to do great. And I know that we're going to slay evil. And I know that we're going to be able to walk in this world to show again the world what an America looks like when it puts its feet on the rock of faith and puts its eyes on Christ. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then, or until the next time, God bless, good night, thank you, and out for now. Chasing mountains I can't Sometimes it takes so 
you good to burn.